Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 40, which begins with Goose at the Sugartown Cabaret, and it ends with the singer making eyes at Goose. Happy Friday, Julia. Yay, Friday! Yeah, it's a fun day because we get to spend this Friday in the Sugartown Cabaret. Absolutely. Yep. So we ended last minute... We saw the neon sign on the side of the building, and then we kind of cut into the building to kind of see what was going on. And we didn't get to talk too much about the location on that day because we kind of were running out of time. So I went on MadMaxMovies.com. They have a filming locations page. I also went to MovieLocations.com to look up the Sugartown Cabaret. Now, the nightclub scene that we're watching here was filmed in the Warehouse Nightclub, which was... An establishment located at 14 Claremont Street in the South Yarra neighborhood of Melbourne. The building, as of about 1999, was still there. But sometime between 1999 and 2017, where we are now, the building was torn down, the parking lot was paved over, and there's now like a high-rise building with restaurants and apartments and all that other stuff in the way. So it made finding the location rather tricky because nothing on that street looks exactly like it did back in 1976. It's not like Clunes where everything looks largely the same. This is fairly recent photo and just the whole neighborhood looks different. Yeah, that seems pretty par for the course Mm -hmm. for a, a more urban area versus a more country area. One thing that did stay the same from the movie into nowadays is Claremont Street is a one-way street. And so on Monday, when we see Goose pulling out of the parking area and going down the street, he has to go that way because it's a one-way street. Right. And Goose is not one to flout the law. Exactly. Exactly. He's going to make sure that he's not driving (laughs) against the flow of traffic. Mm -hmm. So kind of the first thing that we see is like, Backup dancers mm-hmm. who are on like a stage kind of opposite the singer. Yeah. Yeah, they're barefoot. It is how I described it in my notes as a Quentin Tarantino wet dream. Mm-hmm. Um, some people go for that type of thing. Yes. I don't. I find bare feet in a public place like a business or a store or um, like a hotel. Like if you're not at like a pool or a water park or something like that. Just running around barefoot skeezes me out because, yeah, you know, weird. that's how you get tapeworms. Yeah. Like, one one time I was at my desk in my office and I had taken my flip-flops off underneath my desk, which isn't unusual for me to take my shoes off under my desk. But this one particular time I ran, I went to the bathroom and I didn't put my flip-flops back on. No, it was weird. It was wrong. Like, I made it halfway to the bathroom door, and I'm like, nope, 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 I can't do this. I can't walk around the office in bare feet. It's just wrong. Yeah. And weird. And I went back and got my shoes, and I haven't even attempted it since. No, it was, no. Like, I'm not I'm not wholesale against the idea of being barefoot. Like, yeah, if you are home in your own house, or you're at a beach, or you're running around in some grass, sure, fine, whatever. Yeah, but it's more like, about the appropriate place yeah, and time. Like, out at a club, 
on like a hard tile or wood floor or even like a laminated cement like i don't know it just yeah the whole idea just puts me on edge and i don't know what it is it's probably some sort of deep-seated neurosis in my mind that i just can't (laughs) stand the idea of bare feet in public areas but one of my biggest pet peeves is i'll see photo sets that people have shot at big you know cosplay conventions and things like that and they're walking around the lobby of a hotel without shoes on and i'm like oh no you don't no that nah no not good not good it no it's no cannot stand it (laughs) cannot stand it but hey i guess this is the type of organization or you know business where you know people can just wear their clown pants and dance around barefoot because that's that's really what these background dancers are wearing like kind of parachute pants with little elastics around the feet yeah well, an argument can be made that the the club has set up the appropriate time and place for barefoot dancing. Yeah. These yeah. people are hired, they are wearing what they're told to wear, and that includes no shoes. Yeah. So we, we pan across the room, we see the singer in the background, and then we see Goose, he's off at a side table, drinking and smoking and carrying on with the people that are there. Mm-hmm. And we actually spend a big chunk of this minute outside of the club in the parking lot because something is going down there. very interesting things are happening out there. Yeah, we get another exterior shot of the cabaret sign and then we see like a shadowed figure messing with Goose's motorcycle and we can tell that it's Goose's motorcycle because we can hear the radio going the entire time. Oh, that radio. I feel so bad for Dispatch sometimes because they are just so ignored. Yes. In fact... Specifically by Goose. So... The radio is going this entire time, and they say, MFP to Gosling 1, Main Force Patrol to Gosling 1, we have a curfew violation. MFP to Gosling 1, Gosling 1, code triple three in progress, Main Force, would someone inform the goose a triple three, and then the message kind of trails off because we shift the scenes. Yeah, so... Is Goose the curfew violation, or is he being called to take care of a curfew violation? I'm willing to bet that a code triple three is probably like a code three three three, which is probably code for curfew violation. Um, I think the idea is that he would go and probably find a bunch of kids messing around in an alley, and he would tell them to go home mm-hmm. um, if he was listening to his radio. Right. So I think it's interesting we learn that there is a curfew. Mm-hmm. It doesn't appear to apply to adults because there doesn't seem to be a problem with this club. Right. They are there. They're having a good time. Doesn't seem to be anything wrong. Mm -hmm. So the curfew, I guess, applies to minors. Probably. What I find interesting is that as radio is calling about there being a curfew violation, we have this shadowy figure messing around with the bike, you know, probably out where he's not supposed to be, Mm -hmm. way past you know, nightfall and everything like that. So I just find it kind of funny. (laughs) I mean, not that Goose would notice because he's in the club the entire time. Yeah, I uh, found an interesting parallel with the scene with the diner Mm -hmm. way back in during the Knight Rider chase. Exact same thing. He was on duty, not near his bike. Mm -hmm. Dispatch was specifically looking for him because he needed to do something. He needed to actually do his job. And... At least with the Knight Rider chase, he eventually catches on. Didn't have anything to do with the radio. But 
In this case, he never catches on. He never had any idea that he was being called for and wasn't responding. I think that's Goose's major professional failing is that he so blatantly ignores his radio. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much that he hears it and ignores it. It's that while he's on duty, he will just go get a bite to eat or hang out and drink and smoke at a club. It's like he is on the clock. Right, and he was, like, settled in for the evening at this club. I didn't get the sense that, like, he had just stopped in to say hey to some of his buddies that he knew were going to be there that night. Yeah. No, he was there for the night, it seemed. Yeah, and he was probably there. And he was drinking, by the way. Probably there because he had such a stressful morning. I'm fully of the opinion that... That this is the same night? This might be the same day. As Um, the conflict with Johnny. If not very recent. Soon after. Because technically, Bubba and Johnny had to have the time to get to the beach, and then they had to get dispatched from the beach. Um, So this might not be the exact same day, but it could still be wearing on Goose the fact that someone got away. Yeah, but I also see Goose doing this any old time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He seems like the type that does whatever he feels like. Yeah, that's that's very fair. That's a fair assessment. (laughs) Yeah. But going back to the sa- this shadowy figure we were talking about, mm-hmm. so it starts off, we get kind of a wide shot on the parking lot, and there are a lot of cars in this scene. Yeah. Unfortunately, MadMaxMovies.com doesn't really talk about the hot rods that we can see. There's one note about one of the cars in the background that you barely even notice. So it's not a lot of information, unfortunately, because a lot of these these hot rods are very interesting looking. Absolutely. I was really curious. I leave the the technical details to you usually. Uh, so I w- I'm a little disappointed that there was no information out there about the two cars that you see, especially the one in the foreground with the engine like all exposed. Yeah. That was really fantastic looking. One thing I would definitely like more information on is specifically what happened to Goose's motorcycle. Because as we're in the wide shot, we start hearing some like, as if someone is raking a file across a piece of metal. Uh-huh. And then we get a little closer and we know that this shadowy figure is doing something to the rear of the motorcycle. And then in the third shot, there's like a wrench or something that he's twisting around and yeah. altering. Uh, now, we there are plenty of clues in these slow yes. zooms that tell us who this person little, is. Yes. I mean, it's told us plain as day. We're going to see it next week, the next morning. We know exactly who it is. But you, there are clues you can pick up. Uh, for instance, as we get closer, you can start to see that this person is wearing dark boots and light pants. Yep. And then you see the scarf dangling. Mm-hmm. And that was my... I don't usually watch minutes ahead. So I didn't remember that it was Johnny. But as soon as I saw that scarf dangling, I knew for sure it was Johnny. Yep. And then the next shot after we see the scarf, we can actually see Johnny's helmet just sitting mm-hmm. on the ground yes. next to the back tire. So it's there are plenty of plain as day, not even clues, just tells yes. of exactly who's doing this. And it doesn't surprise me at all that it's Johnny that was sent specifically to sabotage the motorcycle. Yes, he has the motivation and the need to prove himself. Yep. And I'm pretty sure when Toe Cutter was walking him out into the ocean, he was giving him additional instructions. You're going to find this guy you're going to sabotage his stuff you know bad Mm -hmm. things are going to happen to him yeah and whatnot but beyond seeing him move a wrench around and hearing some scraping with a file we really don't know what johnny is doing there's no close-up shot that really shows us that he's either removing a piece of the motorcycle or altering a specific working of the the back tire i mean we're going to see i believe eventually i feel like the payoff takes a really long time yeah we're not gonna see the motorcycle actually fail 
until next Wednesday. There's That's a, a long lot time. of buildup. That's a long time. There's a lot of buildup before something actually happens. I like this scene, and I like that the next time we see the bike actually running is in the next minute, and imme- nothing immediately happens. I like that. But then we see the bike for another, like, two minutes going down the road at high speed and nothing's happening. I don't like that draw out. Yeah. I wish the payoff had been a little bit quicker. Yeah, next week is going to feature some drawn out sequences of just, just... goose on the motorcycle. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll see what we do with that. Yeah. But in the meantime, we get to go back inside the club and have some fun. Yeah, and things get a little bit more interesting. Yep. So the first thing we see back in the club is we are have like a POV shot on the cabaret singer, and she's pretty much singing straight to the camera. So if you're watching along with us, you might notice that this scene in particular is where we get our outro music from. And yes, we know it's fabulous. Uh, we know. we That's why we picked it. Yeah. Um. It's a fun song, and the the woman singing it appears to be having a good time singing it. But Yeah, she puts on a good show. But the interesting thing is that the singer, Robina Chafee, is not actually singing. She's lip-syncing in the scene because the words are sung by a woman named Krina St. Clair, and then the face is Robina Chaffee. Yeah. And it's funny because people will say, oh, well, you know, the cabaret singer wasn't dubbed for the American version. Well, the... <laughs> it's because she was she always was, dubbed. She was always dubbed. She just wasn't dubbed by someone else. Yeah. Um, I did not have a lot of success finding information about Krina St. Clair, both on IMDb and in other areas, which means that someone is going to throw a resource at me and it's going to give her, give me her whole life story, you know, after we post this episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, she is pretty much listed as the uncredited performer of Licorice Road on the Mad Max soundtrack. And that's really all I could find. Robina Chafee, on the other hand, the actress, the the face, um, she had a little bit more on her IMDb page. She really only has the one acting credit for this movie, but she's also got a performer credit for Licorice Road in the soundtrack section. And apparently she worked in the costume and wardrobe department. And apparently she worked in the costume and wardrobe department for 1982's Early Frost, which was an independent horror drama thriller thing. But what's really interesting in this scene in particular, going back to the actual movie, is kind of her wardrobe choice. Yes. Because it's, it's fabulous. hard for me to determine. So 80s. Is is she just wearing a short dress or does or are her legs just that long? Well, I think both. Cuz I mean I think she really is just that long. Yeah, that the phrase she's got legs that go all the way up and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah she does. And I mean, she's just a very tall um long-limbed. I mean, her arms are also very long. Yeah. Just what was a uh, it's a curious case of Benjamin Button, and then they explain that in dance, it's all about the natural lines created by your body. And it's like, yeah, she could be a dancer because there's just so many natural lines to her body. But mm-hmm. she's up there wearing this dress. And so on the back, it's like plain black with like some more sheer aspects. But when when she turns around, it's got this hand sewn into it. Yep. It's just reaching down over her shoulder into prime groping territory. And it's like, I don't, I don't understand fashion. No. <laughs> I don't get, fa- I don't understand fashion. I love how you say you don't understand. And I'm like, it's a fabulous outfit. Yeah. I'm glad that you, that you have a little bit more insight to it. Cause I just don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the perfect, it's the perfect like cut and shape for her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Her limbs are just kind of all over the place. She's got lots of them and they just keep going. 
but the way that the way that like her shoulders interact with the shoulders of the dress is just really nice. Mm-hmm. It's a really good cut on her. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she she does she does a very good performance with it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, do you remember a couple of minutes ago we were talking about Nick Gazana? Yes. And this is the this is the song that he wrote. Yes. Um, specifically for this scene, the uh, the song Licorice Road. Um, so I wrote down the lyrics that we hear in this song. Um, so she starts off saying, "Looking for some juice out this side of town, Mister, won't you show the way? Trying to get around, only one thought left that makes me come alive, and that is you and me side by side on the licorice ride, motorbikes and leather men. This should definitely sound familiar to people. Yeah. Take me to the edge of the dream. Hold on tight. Know it sure feels right. Stick to you like a tire on a licorice road. And. I love as she's singing this because she's very obviously looking at Goose and there's yeah, kind of like a slow progression of him realizing that she's singing about him. Yes. I love I love his reactions and like how how he's perceiving all of this. Yeah, because she, she starts off singing to the camera and then we look at Goose and he's like, listen to her and she's got her shoulders going back and forth and then his shoulders kind of start going back and forth. He starts doing a little dance in response to her. And then we look back up at her and she's, you know, continuing to sing the song. And really looking up at her the second time is really when we get that second stanza. Um, of uh, motorbikes and leather men. You and me side by side. And then she starts saying, motorbikes and leather men take me to the edge of the dream. And like, as soon as she says that, we get cut back on Goose. And he's like drinking a beer. And he starts hearing the words that she's singing. And just the expression on his face, it's almost like it's dawning on him. He's ser- he's he's hearing the phrase motorbikes and leather men. And he's like, wait a second. I ride a motorbike. And I wear leather. I'm a leather man. <laughs> And it's those type of people that take her to the edge of the dream? Oh, I understand. And then she sings the line, hold hold on tight. No, it sure feels right. Stick to you like a tire on a licorice row. And she just holds that last note. Yep. And it just makes this scene very fabulous. Um, just pure late 70s, early 80s funk to, mm-hmm. to it. Yep. And that's funk in most, multiple senses of the word. Because this is, you know, kind of a a shady nightclub in the middle of the city. Like, every time we look at Goose, there's like a couple sitting behind him. And they oh, are just yeah. going to them. town on each other. Yep, they are. Let me see if I can. And I mean, it takes me, a, it took me a couple of times to really understand, like, what was happening here. But it's like some guy in the shadows and he's just got his face buried in this woman's neck and she's got her hand on his hip and she's just like digging into his denim on the outside. Not like, you know, we don't see. Yeah. I was actually a little bit disappointed because I was looking at the scene. I was hoping to find familiar faces Mm -hmm. amongst the people that Goose was sitting with. And there aren't any. Yeah, there's a lot of new people that we don't really recognize at all. And it's hard to tell if... These are friends of Goose that he is specifically there with, or if they're, or if he's just being friendly with the people who happen to be sitting near him. Mm-hmm. It really could go either way. Yeah, but I mean, it's you know, it's not a seedy joint. It's just shady. Like the waiter's wearing a tuxedo, and he's got like a a serving tray carrying around drinks and things like that. This is a nice establishment. Mm-hmm. And actually, he's carrying around. The glasses are champagne glasses. Yeah, is this, we're talking about full bottle service. Yeah, and I mean, you even look look at the background. It's not like all run down, especially compare it to 
like MFP headquarters where mm-hmm. it's like super duper rundown. That is not this place. Yeah, it is pretty nice looking. And I mean, none of the people in there seem like, you know, do bad people. It's just, you know, this isn't a, it's not an Applebee's. It's not a, you know, a McDonald's play place or anything like that. It's not a family establishment. Right. Certainly it's not. It's the kind of place you go to sit in the dark, have a drink, watch a singer. Mm-hmm. And make out in the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually surprised that there aren't more, like, couples Yeah. sitting there. Because you got another single guy. You got the couple making out in the background. And then I think this woman, I think there's another guy sitting next to her there. So I'm a little surprised that there aren't, like, more couples. But actually, if you look at the table, there's an awful lot of bo- oh, bottles yeah. sitting on the table. They're, the table that Goose is sitting at, just covered in yeah. empty bottles. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure for this scene in particular... Oh, wait, hold on. I just noticed something. What's that? You were talking about how your spies are no, not more couples? Yeah. That guy you mentioned earlier sitting to the sitting. right of Goose, there's a oh, woman sitting next to him. Oh, there is a woman sitting next to him. Hidden in shadow. Yeah. So. You can only see her because she has blondish hair. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm willing to bet that for this, okay. these scenes in particular, they didn't alter the club too much. Probably this, not. There's probably a thing where they production crew approached the manager or the owner and said hey we need a nightclub scene can we use your nightclub yeah we'll rent it out for a night bring in a bunch of extras put the bottles out and whatnot yeah and just go for it because this scene in particular this set which like i said is probably just how the club looked is incredibly different from everything we've seen before it yes absolutely the aesthetic is Mm -hmm. nothing like what we've seen yeah and it's really nothing like we see for the rest of the movie. It's it's quite singular to this scene and how special it looks. Yeah, I've in researching this, specifically researching the song itself, I read an article or two critiquing Mad Max and they were confused by the scene mm-hmm. as to why it was included. And why they went to all the trouble of having a musical scene. Yeah. You know, Johnny could have sabotaged the bike under many circumstances. Why this? Why this whole to-do? I love this scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, aside from the fantastic song that we get, we learn a lot about Goose. And we we connect with Goose more on a personal level. Right. Because it's one thing to see someone in a professional setting. It's another... Per- thing to see them in a more relaxed environment which we've seen from max we saw him go home Mm -hmm. and interact with jesse and not interact with his son (laughs) there there is the slightest shred of interaction that you could you know they they share a frame together yes (laughs) but goose isn't like that no he He lives a more free-willing bachelor lifestyle yes so now we get to see that and we get to connect and I mean, I think I think it's a common fantasy to go to a show and catch the eye of the performer. Mm-hmm. And we actually get to see it play out. Yeah. He spends the night with this woman. Yeah. And I mean, she she sees him from across the room and she singles him out. Yeah. Now, she initiates. Exactly. Now, you're not a huge fan of blonde men. You don't like light hair. No, I don't like light on hair men. on men. But I mean, Steve Bisley is definitely not my type. But you can definitely understand that he's able to hold sway like this on women. I guess so. Like, he's charming, and he's also good-looking, I guess I she's see, just going I see purely on his aesthetic. Yeah, I see the charm, and... For women that like light hair on a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be able to, to catch up with them on Monday. She's going to hold this note for the entire weekend, and yes. when we come back on Monday, she's going to finally talented. be able to, to end... 
and then we'll pick up with them the next morning and kind of go into the next long chunk of this movie. Yes. And I say long chunk, it's only going to be a couple minutes, but it's going to feel a lot longer. It is. For us watching, that's for sure. So now that we've reached the weekend... Julia, do we have anything that we're looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, we're having a party this weekend. Yeah. Well, I say party. It makes it sound like like a big to-do, but it's not. Um, We're having people over for a belated St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. We We have uh, crockpots full of corned beef and cabbage. Yeah, we have a friend who loves to host St. Patrick's Day, but because of extenuating circumstances we're going to be hosting it here so we're going to get together and have a bunch of crock pots and just celebrate saint patrick's day and wear yep. green and have fun and whatnot it's gonna be fabulous yeah and we have a very good chance of being able to score some leftovers oh, yes absolutely that's the best part um as for me, let's see, aside from having a party at my house, next Wednesday, I'm actually going to be doing some recording with the folks over on The Living Dead Minute, which covers Night of the Living Dead, minute by minute. It's the old black and white version. Oh. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to connect up with them and do some recording. Yeah, you have a good time with that. That is definitely not my genre. Yeah, so. yeah it's going to be me recording with them just because it's going to be one of those late night recording sessions in the middle of the week, so... Yep, I'll be asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Julia is the kind of person that enjoys sleep. It's one of... It's my hobby. One of those things that she just <laughs> loves. But in the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 40. Have a good weekend and we'll see you on Monday. Motorbikes and men. Take me to the edge of the dream Hold on